How do you disrupt an industry? It's a question a lot of entrepreneurs and coaches ask themselves as they set out to start something new in this world. So that's what I asked Craig Siegel, founder of the CLS movement that has taken the world by storm in this past year. We dive into how he's amassed over a million downloads on his podcast, The CLS Experience, in such a short time, as well as how he's built one of the most actively engaged communities in the world where we have a ton of options out there. Craig is a master communicator, he's a performance coach, a keynote speaker, as well as a five-time and counting marathoner. This is episode 164 with Craig Siegel. Welcome to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp. So let's buckle up as we disrupt your life for the better today. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up because the energy is about to be raised through the roof here. I'm joined by none other than Craig Siegel today, who if you don't know him, you're about to know him very, very well. Craig, I've been following around your journey. I, I don't even know when we first connected. I think it's been about a year and I've been blown away just being an observer of the growth and now kind of having the privilege to be in a little behind the scenes with you and see your membership platform and everything that you're building. I've just been blown away by the growth and I couldn't be more excited for this conversation. So ladies, as soon as Craig starts speaking, turn down your earbuds because you're going to be blown away by the energy coming from him. How are we feeling, brother? How are we, how are we doing on your end? What an unbelievable introduction. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. You know how much love and respect I have for you. And it, it's true. We've been connected for a little over a year. Now you're officially part of the family and the membership. But, but more importantly than all that is our friendship continues to grow. And I'm so proud of you and what you got going on. And I'm excited to be here today, brother. I'm excited to rock and roll. I have to ask you a quick question. Are you standing right now? I, Dude, I had to put the desk on standing desk mode to <laughs> just meet your energy here. So... Yes, That's we are awesome. standing. We're rocking it. That's great. I love it. Let's do this. I love it, man. First question I got for you is, who is Craig Siegel beyond CLS, beyond what you do for a living? Who are you? It's a great question, buddy. Deep right off the bat. And I appreciate being challenged like that. Who am I? Um, I guess up until the last year or so, uh, I was the guy who was trying to find himself in this world mm. um, and find what his purpose is and who he's supposed to become, right? Because it's not what we achieve, it's who we become um, that's most important. And I'm very grateful to say, although it probably took me about 35 years to find it and some detours and um, some different chapters and seasons, um, the person that I've become in the last year and a half or so since I started CLS and I felt God and had that moment, uh, is who I am. And I'm just someone that, that genuinely wants to make an impact on this world by helping people uh, in all walks of life see and then fulfill their potential and just help everybody understand that where you're currently at is not a, a life sentence. It's not an indication of where you're going to be. You can change your life at any given time as I did. And I genuinely just want to see everybody win. There's enough abundance out there for all of us. And that's who Craig Siegel is. I love that, man. I love that. What was like that first step in that journey? You, you alluded to it, right? You're, you're figuring out or you finally feel like you've really stumbled upon this purpose. Was there like a pivotal cascading moment that unleashed what we are seeing now? Because I think it's easy even like since I've known you, right? It's easy to look at it and be like, well, from a numbers perspective through the podcast, through the social media channels, yeah, you blew up. It might be an overnight success as some people would throw out there, but in knowing you a little bit more personally, I know that's not the case. What was that first like pivotal moment for you that looking back, you can maybe look at and say, that was it. Like that was the start of what we're now, the world is seeing now. Yeah, I, I love these types of conversations, course. So thank you for the question, buddy. You yeah. know what? The last couple of years, um, I had found myself in different stages of being miserable, unfulfilled, coasting, uh, and straight up just existing. And I know that's some pretty deep stuff, but I, I'll always keep it real and be honest with you and your audience. And, and I was on Wall Street. Um, I was in finance and I pivoted. I had my own business. And although lucrative uh, as it turns out making money doesn't necessarily equal success and so mm -hmm. i was looking for an outlet i was looking to find myself in, and as you know I, I channeled that and i started running a bunch of marathons i had never been a runner and that was great and in fact we just ran new york city about a month ago so i'm very grateful to have found running it will always be a part of me uh, i love the mental aspect of the challenge 
but I wasn't trying to be a professional runner. I was looking for an outlet, brother. I was looking to find myself. Uh, and, and I guess now looking back, I'm sure most people in the world have a challenging time identifying like what their real purpose is here in this short time mm. of this human experience. But ultimately the pivotal moment, if, if I had to pinpoint it, is very simple. In the beginning of the pandemic, when I shut down my office, I just had that, that very deep spiritual moment where I, I knew this was my opportunity. Um, but this was the first time in 10 years that I took a minute to reassess and, and be grounded. And, and I also felt guided And from studying personal development for so long. I did have a strategy essentially to identify what my gifts are and my passions and my gifts. And hopefully you and your audience will agree is my ability to elevate, inspire and facilitate action. And then my passions are personal development. I'm obsessed with this stuff, removing limiting beliefs, law of attraction, all that stuff. So I married the two and I came up with CLS, Cultivate Lasting Symphony, or a play on my initials, Craig Landed Siegel. But the, the big thing that I want to hammer home with this is once I identified this idea that was CLS, and see, that's the thing. I never had this idea because I was stuck in the matrix. I was stuck in the rat race of Wall Street. Once I had the idea, everybody always asked me, like, weren't you scared to try that? You had a stable job? And the answer is no. My biggest fear at that moment was not trying it and then going back and doing something that essentially had me feeling miserable. So once I had that moment to kind of put together the idea in the beginning of the pandemic, put together strategy and the rest, as they say, is history. Dude, I love it. I just um, actually recently listened to your interview on Deck of Fit, uh, the Spartan podcast, and you brought up the matrix in there. So I think what is so freaking cool is to see what happens when we actually pause long enough for that space to be created for the things that intuitively were there the whole time to actually come up. You know what I mean? Like you talked about it there, this really innate curiosity into personal development. This was something that you were doing while you were on Wall Street and you were doing it at a young age as well, which I think is kind of against the grain, correct me if I'm wrong, in the Wall Street, New York City kind of environment, right? Like that's not common for a 22 year old to be diving into NLP and law of attraction and this woo-woo stuff that is a little bit more popular out here in LA, right? True. Yeah, it's so funny. I had no idea about any of this stuff. I went to college because that's what I was supposed to do, you know, based mm -hmm. upon society and my parents and so forth. And I didn't take it that seriously, if I'm being honest. Uh, I graduated. And then once after that, I was looking to, to find myself. I was ambitious. I ended up on Wall Street. And then simultaneously is when I stumbled upon the NLP and the mindset stuff. And I was just so fascinated by others that like, wait a minute, so I can actually build my confidence like it's a skill that could be developed i could change my perspective on what i believe to be possible for myself i could work on myself the belief i could change what i associate pain and pleasure to i was just i was fascinated and i went down the rabbit hole and so forth and you mentioned the woo, -woo stuff to be honest with you that stuff was hard for me to wrap my head around because mm -hmm. it's beyond my senses so i was mostly just nlp and a mindset guy up until recently and i'm sure you're going to get into this in a little bit um, with the tumor situation and the marathon, when I really started to buy into this quantum uh, and this energy stuff, and, and boy, is that stuff real. Uh, I've been able to facilitate for the first time in my life, real-time manifestations and so forth. Mm -hmm. But to land the plane, the bottom line is, I got into the personal development when I also got to Wall Street, and it was a game changer in, in literally all facets of my life. Yeah, I was about to say, what was that first step into personal development for you? I think everyone finds it in a different way, whether it be a book, they stumble upon a TED talk, a YouTube video, maybe even a podcast like this. I mean, my hope in having people like yourself on here is that this could be the spark to someone's transformation, whatever that looks like for them. What was that spark for you? What was that first thing? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't even know if podcasts were around then. <laughs> probably um, 13 years ago. You know, uh, I'm not sure podcasts were as popular, uh, but I definitely stumbled upon a couple of YouTube videos, mm. uh, probably Dave Goggins at the time, maybe E.T. Uh, and then ultimately, I, I forget exactly where, but I stumbled upon NLP uh, and I read a book called, I believe it's called The, the Introduction to NLP um, by the creator, Richard Bandler. And, and then from there, 
I became obsessed as my personality tends to do um, with identifying and finding someone in Manhattan um, that teaches this stuff. Mm. And I went out and I saw a couple of people. I don't even think I've ever publicly talked about this, if I'm being honest, but, but I sought out a mentor uh, and I began to work with him on a one-on-one basis. And, and he would guide me and, and teach me the ways of NLP, kind of like a Mr. Miyagi. Uh, and I'll never forget, like he used to have to throw me out. I'm like, just one more thing, please. One more question. I was just so fascinated with this stuff. Uh, and I started studying with him for a few years. And then after that, it, I just maintained it um, by, by reading books and, and being so fascinated with learning more in regards to that. I love it. I think we all have that Mr. Miyagi moment, right? Uh, at some point, especially if you're in the coaching space now, it's like there, there had to be someone in there that was a, a guiding factor for you or an inspiring figure. Um, that was one of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about was in kind of doing a little bit of research and learning more about your story. Uh, it sounded like there wasn't really, while you had role model figures in your life, it didn't sound like there was that figure until maybe that point in your life that was like, okay, this is actually like really, truly what's possible. Is that like the case? And if so, how did you handle that with your upbringing? Yeah, that's very accurate. But the thing with me is like, I come from a very close family and Mm -hmm. just straight up good people. Like my dad's the best. My dad's in his late eighties now and he's battling cancer, but, but he's staying as positive as he can. And he's just the greatest guy, like anyone that's ever met him. And of course my dad was my hero and stuff like that. And my older brother, Mark, who's my best friend in the world. People think it's weird how close we are as siblings, never fight or anything like that. Um, but like, I wasn't ingrained from an early age about personal development or like, you can be anything you want. Like, it wasn't really like that. So it wasn't until I stumbled upon the personal development stuff on my own, if I'm being honest, after college, that I really started to understand that there is limitless potential out there um, in regards to what we can do, who we can become and what we can accomplish. And so, you know, I had my indirect heroes, right? Like yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day. And I always loved James Bond and 007 and so forth. But really when I started understanding personal development and, and I sought out a mentor, it's when all that stuff really started to come to fruition for me. Mm, yeah, 100%. And Arnold is such a pivotal example, right? Of someone who was a pioneer in that space. I mean, I'm pioneer. fortunate. You've been over to the place here, like we're a few blocks away from the Mecca of bodybuilding, where that all started in his yeah. journey. And you took me over there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, we got it. Next time you're back, we got to get a, a proper lifting session there. We'll, yeah. we'll be the two small guys in the back, you know, <laughs> lifting up the hundreds and the lightweight. <laughs> there. I would love that. Dude, I, I love it. And I love I love that you the way that you speak about your family, I think, too, says so much about you. It's it can be very easy, I think, when we dive into the personal development space to almost forget about the people that were around us from the get go, that original support system. And it sounds like what I'm hearing is a lot of what you're doing. And this is what I love about you and just your brand and the way you show up. You're always someone who has come with me on this journey. Not watch. It's not watch me do it. And like, maybe you can do it too. It's like, no, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to run four marathons in a year, or I want to PR my marathon right after surgery and getting a tumor removed, like absolutely crazy things but you're also letting people in that whole process along the way with you. And you're not afraid to give away value. You're not afraid to say, this is exactly what worked for me. And it can do the same for you. If you're open to it, let's have a conversation. So I just one want to just like pause and acknowledge you with all that. Um, and then, two, man, yeah, let, let's dive into that most recent marathon, because another thing you inspired me to actually sign up for a marathon because the competitive nature of me is you told me your time and you beat me by four minutes. So I said, I can't let that happen. I need to sign up again and, and beat him. Um, but walk me through, because I mean, the feet behind it and what you were going through pre-marathon, what you were actually able to, to physically do running training wise to what you did on race day from a physiological standpoint, quote unquote, shouldn't be done, shouldn't be possible, yet you did it. So what was that build up? Just start from the day, I think, even you got diagnosed. And then let's roll from there. 
Yeah, buddy. And first of all, thank you so much for those beautiful words. And it's so true. I make such an effort to to be that come with me type of cat as opposed to, you know, follow me because I want us all to be on this journey together because my, my thought process is there is more than enough abundance for everybody to win. Whatever winning looks like for them, there's enough to go around. Uh, and I want to see everyone fly. And I'm not afraid to put myself out there and say, this is what's going on with me or this is what I'm up to, you know, come along uh, and so forth. So thank you for that acknowledgement. I appreciate it. In regards to the tumor, it was such a, an interesting and fascinating situation. One of the biggest blessings of my entire life because there was so many lessons learned because at the end of the day, life happens for us, not to us, right? And I'm a big believer in that. And what happened, what I'm about to tell you happened really cemented that. So I was at a big speaking engagement in Myrtle Beach. Uh, and before the speaking engagement, we we're playing a little football on the beach with the guys, all while I was training for the Chicago Marathon. Uh, I had a feeling playing football on the beach, uh, barefoot on this like concrete sand was not a good idea, uh, but when in Rome, you know, so make a long story short, I got I caught a touchdown, I came down hard on my foot, uh, and I thought it was broken. So I came home, and I went to the doctor, and they diagnosed me with a, a sprained ligament and gave me a boot. <laughs> So I was like, all right. So, so a week later, uh, I called the doctor back and, and I said, I don't think so. I think something's not right. Um, if it'd be all possible, I'd like to facilitate an MRI. And they're like, I don't think that's necessary. Just wear the boot, you know, to spray. I go, just give me the MRI. So I got, I got that done. And then they called me the next week and they said, hey, Craig, um, we need you to come in. And I'm like, no, uh, I got a lot going on right now. I'm pretty busy. Just hit me with it. Is it a torn ligament? Like, what's up? And they're like, actually, the ligament looks good, uh, but we found a tumor on the bottom of your foot. And I remember just like taking like maybe like five full seconds to process that mm. tumor. Called me off guard. I never saw that coming, you know? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, is it serious? Like, they're like, well, it's never a good thing to have a tumor on your foot. Um, you know, this particular one's a little rare. It's something that should be taken care of pretty quickly. So I hung up, blah, 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 gave myself uh, permission to have a pity party for the rest of the day, mm. um, which is probably about six hours. And then the very next day, it was strategy and tactics. And I made appointments to see uh, who I identified as the best doctors in New York City. And ultimately, pretty much they all agreed that it needed to be taken out. Um, and, and then I made my choice and the one that I felt most comfortable with. And so I did that. It came back benign, thank God. Um, and then I was on crutches. I had the stitches and the, and the whole nine. Um, and the Chicago marathon just wasn't really doable because mm -hmm. I was on crutches. I had the stitches in my foot for longer than expected because it, it's the bottom of a foot and the doctor wanted to be really cautious. So the wound doesn't reopen. Um, so I said, no problem. That makes sense to me. Um, so Chicago really wasn't in the cards because it still had stitches in my foot. Um, but ultimately it was at that moment where for the first time ever, I really started to buy into this quantum stuff because I had essentially nothing but time. I could physically run. I was working, sharpening the axe and doing all that. I said, if there was ever going to be a time I'm going to buy into this energy stuff, the spirituality, like mm -hmm. really how the law of attraction works, it's going to be now. And, and so I did brother. And my goodness, like, like what a shift, right? So like just putting out like thoughts as, as electrical signals, as intention, um, and just really buying into this quantum, like this fifth dimension, where when you were in the quantum, you were no one, nothing, and nowhere. And you have the ability to rewrite your code and all your issues from the past or whatever from the past is evaporated. You have a clean slate. And, and I really just started to vibrate on, on a different frequency, brother. It, it was fascinating stuff. And as you could see, like I could talk about this stuff all day. It's yeah. still new to me. Um, but, but I started to get very confident in terms of like, like, internally like self-belief like maybe we could do something pretty special here mm. um and so the opportunity presented itself to run new york city which was only three weeks after chicago um but to do it to honor my pops who as you know is battling cancer to inspire him and also raise money for american cancer society the charity which is obviously a great cause i was only going to do this if i had the ability to do it for that because it was personal uh, i was able to get in and then it was game time, but I didn't have the physical training. I might've gotten in a couple like very small runs just before mm. the race. Uh, and people kept asking me, like, do you think you'll, like, do you have a prediction? Like, do you think you'll be able to finish? And I, I, for the first time in my life, like I had no ego. 
right? Like when I, even when I was running Chicago, I was talking about PRing and, and the whole lesson that, that I learned with that, which is huge for the audience is you got to learn how to shed the ego, right? Not to completely destroy it, but work within it. And, and so it wasn't about me this time. It was about my dad and about anyone that's ever been affected by cancer. I was uh, honestly just grateful to get a shot at the start line. Um, mm -hmm. But I started to get really confident with all this quantum stuff. And I had a feeling deep down that we were going to do something pretty magical. And so I refused to make any predictions for anyone that asked. Uh, I just stuck by the fact that I was grateful to get a shot. Make a long story short, the day came. We PR'd. I ran to 339 uh, in New York City, which is the fastest time I ever had. And, and it's a pretty challenging course with all those bridges and so forth. And without the physical training, it was just so special to, to complete that story arc. And also, like I had unfinished business from New York City because mm -hmm. it was the first marathon I ever ran uh, when I first started running. And I failed to break four hours. Let me repeat that. I failed to break four hours. Uh, and it kind of haunted me. I, I ran a 4.12. Um, and I always wanted another crack at New York City. And it just like everything was just aligned for this one, right? With my dad, mm -hmm. with the cancer, with the tumor, uh, round two in New York City. And to be able to PR, uh, it was just the most special thing. And although that like three-month story arc completed from the tumor, to the PR, the real journey of life now begins with all this quantum and energy stuff and unlimited potential out there. So a crazy story and so many lessons learned, but most specifically, life happens for us, not to us. Yeah, man. I mean, so much I want to go into. Um, it's it's so funny to hear you say like it was unfinished business. Like, 412 is still freaking phenomenal for a lot of marathon runners. But I, I also get where you're coming from too. You know, when I did my first one, it was, oh crap. I like, I, in my eyes, I completed the distance, but I failed because I walked some of it. You know what I mean? I wasn't proud of that at all. So I did another crack at it and was like, okay, great. And now it's like, wait, I actually have some training behind me. Like now, like, let's, let's go. Let's see what happens. So I, I totally get that there. And it sounds like there was a, this mix of conditions too, that really created a serious macro flow case for you and an experience for you in the moment, which we love to, to jam out on this podcast about is that flow state experience where you're just so locked in and we really have all these different triggers and kind of ingredients that we can throw into the recipe to find what works uniquely for us. And I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me as you were just telling that story was the importance of being a part of something bigger than yourself. Like, yes, while you physically might have not had the training that historically people would have leading up to a marathon distance, it doesn't mean that it can't be done it requires some of these other factors to be present for you to then have almost pretty much, was it an out of body experience? Like, yeah. do you remember popping out and you're like, I kind of blacked out. I don't really remember anything. 100%. Yes. Amazing. That's flow. That's like the epitome of macro flow is that experience. When you look back on it and you're like, people ask you what was going through your head at mile 21. And you're like, I don't know. I don't even remember it. Like, and like people be like, Oh yeah. Did you see my sign? And you're like, no, <laughs> I don't remember anything. And I love that you used the word flow because I had a Dr. Mike Gervais on my podcast mm -hmm. experience, who's the sports psychologist for the NFL Seattle Seahawks. And he talks a lot about flow state and even just having some conversations with him really helped me understand like what that means and so forth. And in that marathon, I also broke my foot. I don't know if you knew that, um, but I had to get an MRI after to make sure that the tumor cells didn't come back. And it, mm. they said that was good, but they did uh, locate a broken foot. I also had to go back to the yard ER because I had this, this really nasty blister on my foot, uh, blood blister, basically consumed my whole left toe. Um, but I, I didn't really feel much of that. I just kind of surrendered and flowed. Mm. Uh, it was like I was flying, right? like I was gliding yeah. uh, for at least for the most of the marathon. I'll be honest with you, towards the end, mile 22, 23, uh, I definitely felt it, you know, uh, but for the <laughs> most part, up until that point, um, I was in that flow state that, that you love to talk about and you articulate so well. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, if you have a broken foot, it's no wonder, like there's a dark side to flow and that is like your body doesn't recognize when it's in like severe possible pain. And that can lead you to experience of that, of like breaking your bone. 
but you still finished. We see it. And uh, you mentioned David Goggins earlier, right? Like we've, I think all heard that story of him doing his first hundred hour or hundred mile, 24 hour uh, mile loop down in San Diego and just how bad and painful that was, but he was able to get through it because when you, when you're able to access these altered states of consciousness, you transcend the, or probably the stereotypical or the norm barriers that would stop someone from doing it in the first place and people listening to this might be like well that's great i have no plans to run a marathon let alone run it on a broken foot but it applies to everything too you know what i mean when we can when we understand the true power of what you're talking about with raising your vibration your energy and how to do so to match whatever the task is in front of you there's some true some really true power and potential in that how would how did you start to dive into the quantum and like what for someone that's totally not uh not a familiar with what that even means how would you explain it to them and then what does that practice look like now what are you exploring what are you really curious about it yeah so to be honest with you i still am challenged to articulate exactly what i mean by the quantum um because it's still new to me but but what happens is this it's like you have the ability to make an astronomical leap, right? I don't want to use the word quantum in its own definition, but a leap in a very short amount of time. So like a trendy thing you've probably heard before is, is collapsing time. It's real. Mm-hmm. When you're in that frequency uh, and you really believe you're receiving, like you're not just thinking like, oh, uh, you know, I want to do well. You believe you kind of change the entire frequency of the universe. The universe is a mirror. So for all those people out there that like, you know, they stub their toe out of bed and then they're late to work and they're in traffic or the food gets delivered wrong. Like that's a frequency that's vibrating on a low level and the universe continues to hand you out stuff of that nature. Um, but when you become self-aware and you realize that you have the ability to replace those disempowering thoughts with positive ones, like, oh, this isn't a bad day. That was just one moment. The rest of the day is going to be phenomenal. I'm expecting to receive uh, abundance, uh, a check in the mail instead of a bill or to find a, you know, a partner in a relationship or whatever the case may be. Take some conditioning, it won't happen overnight, but then all of a sudden the universe starts working for you in that sense. Uh, and there's just something so powerful about the power of intention because once you have an idea and you put an intention out there, now all of a sudden you have a possibility. Mm-hmm. And then when you have that intention and you start actually taking action, now you have a probability, right? Now, now you're, it's probable that you're going to achieve that. That's mm-hmm. how the law of attraction works for me, is putting the intention out there and then doing the work, but, but also like marrying the process, divorcing the outcome, surrender and flow, uh, and just let it rock, so to speak. But it's just been the most magical thing. Like, and even being grateful for not just stuff in the present moment, like this conversation, which I am, but being grateful for stuff that hasn't even happened yet. And like putting that frequency out there, like I'm so happy and grateful. Now that I'm going to land a a monster sponsorship on my podcast, so to speak, um, before February and really feeling that stuff Mm -hmm. uh, and really putting that frequency out there to the universe. And the universe believes that's real and it becomes real uh, and stuff like this. So this is some really powerful and deep stuff. Uh, And to answer the second part of your question, I just started the CLS book club, uh, which is totally free. Yeah. And it's a really cool and special community of people like me and you, uh, people that just want to chop it up and read and learn uh, and accumulate knowledge and so forth. And we, and we announced the first book this week. It's actually Dr. Joe Dispenza on Becoming Supernatural. So if you didn't think I was obsessed with the quantum, I, I mean, this guy, Dr. Joe, everyone's been mentioning his name to me for the last year. Um, so it's about that time that I dive in and see what's up for myself. And the way he talks about it, I'm only a little bit into the book. Uh, it's very scientific stuff. Um, but, but, but what I want to land the plane with, brother, is like, when you're in this quantum and you really buy into this stuff, it's infinite potential. It's like when, when magic happens, like real-time manifestations. And for the audience listening that might think it's a little too woo-woo or this, that, that thing, I was skeptical myself. All I would say is give it a shot and buy in. You got nothing to lose and you will begin to see real-life manifestations. I was about to say, you got to call in what you want, right? And one of the best ways to do it, I think, is continually you get what you give, right? So continually giving that out into the universe and that's going to look so different. And 
I know for a lot of people that are in maybe a bad spot or tough season in their life, that's really hard to hear and really hard to get inspired by because they're like, I just keep giving. And what do you mean? I have nothing left to give, but to give in the way that you're saying of just like, you're putting this out there. Eventually it's going to call in the right thing. And it might look different than what you originally thought it was going to look like, you know what I mean? But I think continuing to cultivate that practice of speaking into existence, what you want. Instead, we all have this built-in negativity bias where I think what I, I love about NLP and coaching and everything is it over, it helps people overcome that built-in negativity bias. And to your point of like the book club and the membership and everything, and why I want to, why I'm building community as well is like environment elevates that energy. If we set it up correctly, we have to be very intentional with who we let into that space, but in doing so, it allows that energy to expand exponentially rather than for it to be like sucked out of the room. And I feel like sometimes all it takes is just one or two people and that or ourselves eventually at one event to kind of drain us of that energy. And that's when the value of the people around us really comes into play. Are they going to help us get back, not just to baseline, but elevated above that? Or are they going to be like, oh my God, yeah, man, Craig, that sucks, dude. Like the tumor, forget about it, but you should just stop running. Like that was probably not a conversation that was ever had with anyone in your circle because knowing you, you're hyper intentional with who's around you. To, to be honest with you, it's so funny that you bring that up because, you know, my dad and my mm-hmm. brother, they're, they're big warriors. Uh, and my dad would say to me in every conversation leading up to the marathon, Craig, um, if you can't finish, it's okay. Like, if you feel like you're going to hurt yourself permanently, like, like just get off the, the you know, the race, the, the course, whatever the case may be. I'm like, dad, what, my man, positive vibes only. But to be honest with you, I used to be a warrior mm. uh, and I had Ed Milet on the show a little while back and, and he ironically said the same thing. His dad from an early age would always say like, uh, be safe or, or, or uh, be careful. And like, why be careful? I'm just going to Starbucks, you know, whatever the case may be. So like intentionally, um, I, I surround myself with people that, that bring up my vibe and elevate mm-hmm. my state. When it comes to family, I love them so much. I take it with a grain of salt. I know they're looking out for me. That's just who they are. And I'm not so sure, um, you know, my dad's going to change it at this point. Uh, I know he just loves me and stuff like that. So I don't take that personally, but, but for the most part, brother, the hunt ups, like I'm so deliberate with the energy that I surround myself. It's why I love to hang out with you and chop it up with you every time. It just leaves me in an elevated state. And and that's why the membership is invite only, right? Because Mm -hmm. one bad egg can can literally have the power to, to deflate a room's energy. And, and for the audience that's hearing that, like, it's interesting because I want to take pride in not letting anyone infiltrate my bubble of serenity, but at the same time, we're human beings. So being around toxic energy, toxic people, or people that are a little bit negative, it has the ability to rub off on us. So, so what I'm getting at is be super intentional and deliberate with who you surround yourself with. And just to be clear, like if someone played a big role in your previous season or in your earlier life, it doesn't give them a hall pass if you've outgrown them to play a role in your life forever. Right, because as we continue to grow and we're very conscious about our energy and being in that high vibration and good vibes and so forth, you want to surround yourself with people like that and even higher so you can continue to soar. So it's really everything to me, brother. I'm so glad that you brought it up. And for anyone out there that, that I'm sure has a lot of people in their life that, that aren't vibrating on that level, like you got to keep your distance. It just is what it is. It's almost like it's nothing personal, uh, but you got to stay in that bubble of serenity and move closer to that high vibration. Absolutely, man. I've, I've said it on here before, but all plants, the healthy plants, at least, they eventually outgrow their pots. So if they're getting the nourishment and everything that they need to grow, eventually it will outgrow that environment that was once the best thing for them. You know what I mean? Like I got a couple behind me here, but you know, they started off super, super small and I could get away with this pot that was about yay big. And then over time, I'm spending more and more money buying, build like bigger and bigger pots, better soil, making sure like I'm staying on top of the watering schedule, all that. We like to think that we're so complicated and complex as human beings. And 
granted we can be in certain areas but really if we simplify it down to it we're not much different than that like we can outgrow a certain environment the the friend core friend group that we had in high school they could have been great for our development in high school and where we were in that season of our life but you might have to create some boundaries and separation and and hold those strong to this season in your life because maybe you're starting a an entrepreneurial venue venture or you're launching a speaking engagement or uh, career or podcast or whatever it may be and ironically those old environments oftentimes are the least supportive at at least in my experience as well and i would be curious to hear your side of that when you've really taken this full pivot away from from wall street and into the world of I'm speaking on stages, I'm hopping on podcasts, I'm showing up on social media and like showing my face, being active, being energetic that you are. What was that experience like for you? Did you notice a shift in your environment? Did you notice a shift of the people around you? And how did you deal with that? How did you handle it? Yeah, it's a phenomenal question, brother. And I've been saying recently, I said even in the membership poll yesterday, I just made an example. I'm not making any declarations or predictions, but like mm. if I were to get married at some point this year, which is like an intimate event, the people that I would want surrounded by me on that day would be the people from the inception of CLS, such as yourself and forward. Mm. And the people from my past, it's like, it's almost like it's something personal. Like I said, it's just, you know, it just not the best fit anymore. I'm over here spreading my wings, doing my thing. I'm sure they are as well. Um, it's just not the same frequencies and the people that I surround myself with now, like, for example, like this conversation, but this isn't work to me. I love this stuff. I love being able to chop it up with you and get deep and, and have a good conversation, have a couple laughs, but sharpen the ax and all that. So this is the stuff that I love now. This is the stuff that I want to surround myself with. And when I started CLS, it's funny, like a lot of my friends from that I grew up with from back in the day, they all thought CLS was super cute in the beginning. Like, oh, keep it up. It's great stuff. Uh, maybe when it was cute. And then when it really started to take off and explode, crickets. Never heard from them again. Uh, from what I understand from talking to some, some pretty important people, uh, it's happened to them as well. So mm. it is what it is. Um, I don't have time to, to worry about stuff like that. All I can do is be intentional with who I allow in my orbit, so to speak. And, and right now... I just want these types of people like you, brother, and like the community that we're building and everyone that's just wanting to grow and stretch themselves and do epic and cool stuff. I was about to say, it's a beautiful thing. And like, how, how freaking lucky are we that we can take, you know, 40 minutes, an hour out of our day and have a conversation like this. And it happens to also be work. You know, that's what I, I, to this day, because we're very similar in our journeys and the timeline of things of really diving into this. It's really interesting when I have that aha moment to really just pause and think, I'm so freaking lucky. I'm so grateful that, I mean, think of what we just have done so far. The fact that you're in New York, I'm in LA, we can hop on Zoom. Like, it's just a magical thing, man. So I resonate so much with a lot of that. I got a few... Um, few other questions here for you one of which is actually a question from the the audience the uh the listenership we had uh luis montoya kind of uh ask a question ahead of time so i wanted to pose it to you he was really curious what your number one tip to just being a high performer might be it's a phenomenal question my number one tip for being an optimal and high performer is consistency mm. and be committed to bettering myself every single day. So that means, for example, if every day I wake up and I journal and I sharpen the ax and I go over my to-do list and I'm listening to an audio book and I get ready and I get a workout in before I start my day, um, then that's something I can control. So I'm gonna do that each and every day. Uh, and I look forward to that stuff. And even like we were talking before we went on air, right now, fitness isn't priority number one um, for maybe like one of the first times in my life because it was always such a priority, but I still find time to get it in um, it's just not an hour workout right now. Maybe it's 15 to 20 minute quick run sprint in between calls. Um, but I make sure I, I get it in because it does something for me, not only physically, but mostly mentally these days. It's a nice little outlet and I like to challenge myself and so forth. So the bottom line is, is consistency and, and commitment, brother. And even like 
people always ask me like with the CLS stuff, like the personal brand, like how the heck did you do that in a year's time? It's because I showed up each and every single day, uh, no matter what I mm -hmm. showed up and I moved the chains. It wasn't always touchdowns, a lot of first downs, uh, but we marched down the field and there's always something that you can do to kind of push yourself forward. And that's something that you can control. And that basically just comes down to effort, commitment, and consistency. And I was about to say, I've had, I've had some consistent people on the show, no doubt. And I like to pride myself in being dangerously consistent, but it's hard not to compare myself to, to seeing you. I mean, shoot, it's, it's crazy to see and be an observer of how much you actually live into that. I think a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, I'm consistent. But I mean, you you dove full on, full on into this, like on live all the time, whether that be Facebook Live, Instagram Live, you're putting pumping out content, podcasts, all this stuff. How have you does balance exist, I guess, is the best question. And if it doesn't, how have you gotten OK with that and avoided burnout in like the worst way? Because I think that's that's a hot topic right now, right, where people see what you've done. They say, that's great, but yeah, mental health and burnout. And like, I preach, I come from that camp of like, yeah, like take care of yourself as well. Um, how have you navigated that? What tools and tricks have you kind of come across that someone who's maybe looking to grow exponentially this year can implement into their day-to-day -day or what, whatever that looks like? Yeah. So for me, I love this stuff, brother. Genuinely, mm -hmm. with all my heart, I, I love this stuff. Um, my days are very full right now. Okay, so like after this, uh, I have a live with Randy Garn. Um, then I have my mastermind tonight. I, I have a connection call in between then. Uh, then. Then I'm working on editing a podcast and so forth. But that's not even talking about the previous six hours of the day. Uh, there's just so much going on. And I'm so blessed because in the beginning, this is what I wanted to work for, where I'm having sponsorships pitch us, you know, to have an ad on the podcast and mm -hmm. companies are approaching us to hire us to speak and uh, the membership is growing and so forth. And so this is what I wanted. Uh, and I should be so fortunate and so blessed. I don't take anything for granted, brother. It's like, I think someone interviewed, I, I was interviewing Chris Voss, um, the author of the book, Never Split the Difference this week. Yeah. And he said that he heard Tom Brady being interviewed this week. Uh, and they asked him if he was celebrating uh, making the playoffs. And he said, celebrating? No, because I don't take anything for granted. This could all go away in an instant. So I'm going to take in um, the small win that now we're here in the playoffs, but we haven't arrived yet. We still got a lot of work to do. We're, you know, we're trying to win a Super Bowl and go back to back and so forth. And that really hit home to me. Uh, and it's something I can definitely relate to. The bottom line is this. I, I genuinely love this stuff. And I'm at a place, and I say very humbly, where CLS ha has grown, where if I don't want to do something, I don't have to, right? Mm -hmm. Like like right now, I will only take on five one-on-one -on -one clients at a given time. Whereas in the beginning, right out the gates, I had 25, which I would never suggest to anybody, but I was super grateful that people wanted to do business uh, in the beginning. And so as you continue to grow and explode your personal brand, you'll be able to be in better charge of what you want to allocate your energy to and not. Um, but the, the reality is, is my days are full right now, but I would want it no other way. Like I, like I, I couldn't imagine a day um, waking up where I didn't have a full schedule. Like I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I love this stuff. And I think you only get burnt out um, when you're doing stuff that you don't really love. Uh, and you yeah. have to be honest with yourself. Like if you're getting on a client call and that particular client really drains you, I think you got to be honest with yourself, the type of people that you're attracting. And so I genuinely love this stuff. So, so I don't get burned out, at least not yet, brother. I was about to say, we'll, re we'll have you back on. We'll revisit that. But dude, I, I absolutely love that. And I think, I mean, you always, you strike me as someone who has a really clear, crystal clear picture of what that day looks like ahead of time. And correct me if I'm wrong there, but I feel like you, you're a pretty big planner and strategizer of the day to day. Yeah. I think that helps so much to, to your point of being able to still stay consistent the more that's on your plate, because you have an understanding of you got this going on today and you're going to be, you have your non-negotiables, but you're flexible with what that looks like. Like, yes, you would love to run for an hour, 
but maybe today you only had 20 minutes or the 15 minutes. So you're flexible with the programming. It's still going to get done. still going to get moved forward. It just looks different. I think so many of us get so really caught up in being hell bent of like, it needs to be this. And if it's not, it's all in all out, it's all out. So we, we put off the gym, we put off the meditation, the reading, whatever it may be. Some days you might have an hour to sit down and read that book. Some days you might have to buy the audio version and take it for a walk as you knock out or a run. So you knock out two birds, one stone and really create oh, oh. as using your terminology, some symphony, some symphony in your life, right? Like make that, make that really work for you. Um, in that process, I want to ask I you, you that, I just want to acknowledge like, that, that was beautifully said. And it's so true. Like, you have to give yourself a little bit of flexibility within the non-negotiables. As long as you make the effort to hit those non-negotiables and so forth, like mm -hmm. you said, my, my run might not be a 10 K today. Maybe it's only two, but we ran hard and, and then we're back and doing what we got to do for CLS. So what? That's okay. So, so give yourself a little grace as long as you show up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's half the battle, right? Like, create create your level of hard as i like to say it's all going to be relative to to each of us um one of the last things i want to ask you before we ask the fast five which are our rapid fire uh i heard you say confidence is a skill you alluded to it earlier as well throughout this i want to double click on that and really have you break down what does that mean and for someone who's struggling right now with maybe confident not feeling confident not understanding where to start what would that look like for them to start cultivating that skill? So preparation breeds confidence, right? That's something that I like to say. Um, if you prepare, then that can be tied to confidence, right? So for example, I have a big speaking engagement at the end of this month. I'll be on stage with some pretty important people, John Maxwell and Jesse Isler and, and so forth, just to name a few. Uh, but I'm going to prepare make no mistake about it. Like I'm going to go over my presentation. Uh, I'm going to make sure there's a good flow and I feel really good about it before I step on that stage. Uh, and when I interview a lot of the big jugs or the celebrities for the podcast, like I always take pride in them saying, where'd you find that? Or like, how do you know about that? Because I do the homework, right? So why should I be intimidated to speak to this big, huge celebrity? Because I did the work. I know we're going to have a great conversation as a result. So I tie preparation to confidence another thing that you can do like for for some of you out there um, that want to start showing up but you, but you feel like you have no experience uh, and stuff of that nature you can utilize different nlp tools right like modeling and finding someone that you hold in high regards like arnold schwarzenegger or 007 mm -hmm. uh, or any of the cool athletes that you love and and just identify some of the attributes that they possess that makes them great and then model those attributes. And it doesn't mean that you're faking it till you're making it. it life is a playground, like newsflash, spoiler alert. There's no problem that hasn't existed already. Like the world has seen it all. So if there are people out there that are doing stuff at very optimal levels, see what they're doing that makes them tick and then embody some of those attributes. And that will take away the thinking. So for example, if I was modeling Tom Brady going into a speaking engagement, literally like the quality of his thoughts, how he walked on stage, like his preparation levels and so forth, how could I be super nervous if I'm really modeling that guy on a deep level, him walking into the, the gridiron, the football field? I can't be because I'm really taking that strategy to heart and taking it seriously. So modeling is a phenomenal strategy. And then obviously preparation. If you put in the work, guys, you can tie that to confidence. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to rise to that level of preparation, right? Like you'll have an instance like your, your marathon where yes, you'll, you'll, I think performance always requires some sort of jump, you know, like my, my um, high school swim coach, if he's listening, he'll get a kick out of this. He would tell this apple tree analogy story before every big meet. And it got kind of, it kind of became the inside joke of the, the training group because we were like, Oh, here Brad goes again, telling us his apple tree story. Um, but it, the way it was, was basically we all had this ladder that we would climb up and at the top of the ladder, it was just shy of the apple that we were trying to pick. And that would be our goal, the outcome that we might've been after. And the more preparation we, we put in, the, the longer the ladder would be, but there was still this gap. And what the gap was, was the time for you to just go out there and reach for that apple. It was the, 
it was the race that you were prepping for. It was the speech. It was the sending that message. It was showing up on Instagram and posting that post, whatever it is for you. We still have to go and do that action. And sometimes it takes a leap. Sometimes you might miss the apple. You might fall flat on your face. But to your point of it being a playground, I think it's that's the best analogy to it. Like Take the fear out of it. Play with it. See if it works. If it doesn't work, you just got feedback. Fantastic. You know where to go from here. I want to ask you the fast five here, which are just rapid fire, one sentence, one word answers. Craig, uh, what is your go-to podcast right now? I'm sure you're absorbing a lot. Aside from the CLS experience and of course yours, right? Um, I would say uh, Ed Milet's podcast. I'm mm. pretty big into right now. I like his stuff. Great, great choice. Number two is what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Um, the Secret, but, but the kicker is it's not the first time I read it. I just read it and had a much different experience this time around and really bought it. That's a powerful one that I feel like comes up something new every single time you read it. Love it. Number three, what's a quote that you live by? Preparation breeds confidence. Beautiful. Number four, what is something you can't live without? CLS. Beautiful. Community right there, baby. Family. Number five is you're doing a lot of things. You got a lot going on. If you could sum up your focus right now at this point in time to one word, what is that? More. Mm. I know that's an interesting answer, but um, for the first time in my life, as we approach New Year's Eve, I don't, I'm not looking to make these big drastic changes. I, I just want to continue the frequency that we're on uh, as everything is going really good. I say very humbly, uh, the fruits are starting to come to fruition and I just want to continue to expand and more of each uh, lane, so to speak, in that 10 lane highway and just continue more of it. Yeah, I said it before. And I want to acknowledge you again. I think from being an observer and being in around you and your energy you've done such a phenomenal job putting in the work to building a foundation that breeds exponential growth and what we're starting to see and probably what you're starting to experience and probably why more is your word is that exponential roi is starting to just it's just starting to creep out of the faucet it's about to pour into it this year man so craig again i want to just acknowledge you i appreciate your time spending not spending it here with us where can those listening in find you, the CLS family, the whole experience, the podcast? They want more of you, man. Where can they find you? Best place to find me is on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS. Uh, you can check out the website, cultivatelastingsymphony.com. It'll have all the ways that you can work with us, the communities, the CLS membership, which we have weekly. It's a multi-subscription, uh, the masterminds, the coaching, all that stuff. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, the CLS experience. And something I'm really excited about right now, which we just launched, which is totally free, um, but it's a really special community, like I mentioned earlier, is the CLS book club. Just good people, mm -hmm. good gems, good wisdom. Uh, and you can call me on this if you want, but I I'm going to make it in my effort, everything I can to do uh, to bring in the authors also uh, in the monthly Zooms for the book club so we can pick their brain and stuff of that nature and also for the audience come say hello come say what up i'm not shy i'm very friendly uh and your audience my audience it's the same type of people it's why i love to hang out with you brother and i want to acknowledge you thank you so much for having me today i appreciate your time as well and which is an outstanding conversation heck yeah man we got to get a marathon or a high rocks race or something on the books together I heard you're doing a deck of fit Spartan race sometime soon this year. Well, let They're me know those guys pounding me. Let, let me know. We'll, we'll sign up together. We'll do it together. We grow further together here. That's the motto at forever athlete radio. So Craig, again, thanks for tuning in, joining us. If you're listening at home, subscribe, go check out Craig, go check out his stuff. It's worth the listen. It's worth the continued value. You show up better than anyone else out there that I know. So I appreciate you tuning in. We grow further together. Share this episode with a friend, teammate, or family member. And let's keep it going. Flow on, my friends.